A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show. My guest today is Kevin Tanner, the Commissioner of the Georgia Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. Commissioner, welcome in. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me. You've had a ton of job titles in your life, man. A ton. When you say it like that, it doesn't sound so good, Ben, but uh, I've had a few. You've had a few. Dad, husband, state house rep. You were... What got you interested in public service? Well, you'd have to really go back to the late 1989, and I started volunteering as a volunteer firefighter, actually, in my community. And then a job opportunity came up, and I started working at the sheriff's office in March of 1990. And the rest is kind of history. I I just uh, fell in love with public service, fell in love with serving my community, that transitioned into to really serving the state. So it's been a passion of mine pretty much my entire adult life. I, I, I offer this to you as the greatest compliment. I think the greatest elected official that Georgia could ever have is probably myself. However, if you had to tell me who I thought number two was, hiding her hair, don't care, if I had to pick somebody that is results-oriented out of the Republican Party that may not be able to raise $25 million and go do it, but that I would know beyond a shadow of a doubt was exactly who I would want to represent me in office, it would be you. I can't, I, I can't, I'm not sitting here blowing smoke. If I had any, any congressional district in the country, in, in, in the country I, I'd put you to be speaker. I just think you care about the right things and you care about the right people. So I'm telling you, I don't always sit, I sit down with all sorts of people that I think are really interesting. I don't sit down with very many people that command the level of respect that I would tell my listeners that they should have for you. Well, that's humbling to hear you say that. I've always tried my best to put policy over politics. I'm very interested in focusing on results, not just talking about issues, but actually finding real solutions. And I think in the day and time we've come to today that it seems like we just do more talking and really being critical of the other side and the people we disagree with instead of offering alternative solutions. And that's just not who I am. I'm, I'm really focused on policy. I've never heard you say a cross word about anybody. And, and I'm sure that you have wanted to at, at certain times. You have a career, your career, you're an entrepreneur. You have spent time in public safety within the state of Georgia. You have been an elected official. You have been a county administrator. And now you are a commissioner on behalf of Governor Kemp's administration. So I, I tell everybody, Kevin has done a lot, and we are friends. So, And if I slip and call you Kevin, I don't mean to. You're welcome <laughs> to call me that. You've been called worse. That's right. Much worse. <laughs> Today. When, when, you have, when you get started your education and in, in going into finding a career in law enforcement. Yeah, I, I grew up in what was much smaller than rural Dawson County 
on land that has been farmed by my family since 1850. We've been in the county since 1839, deep roots, which I think probably brought about my love for my community and for service. When I was in high school, a group of me and my friends started volunteering in the fire department, and that really led to developing a relationship with some folks in the sheriff's office. That developed into a job opportunity uh, my senior year. I really fell in love with law enforcement. I knew I was going to go to college, but I started working full-time, and I went to University of North Georgia, North Georgia College at the time, uh, got my bachelor's degree, and I was an investigator, so I worked full-time, went to school full-time, graduated, later became uh, the chief deputy for the sheriff's office several years later, and then uh, continued my education at Columbus State University, where I got my master's in public administration, graduated from the Georgia Law Enforcement Command College that they had, and then that led me on into county government. But really had a deep passion and love for law enforcement. I'll tell you, I still keep my law enforcement certification. I've been certified uh, roughly 33 years, and I still keep that certification current. I go get my 20 hours every year. I go qualify every year because that really was my first love when it came to public service. You'd still go back and do it again one more time, wouldn't you? Uh, it's a lot different today than it was when I started. I, I Oh, we're going to get there. Yeah, God, God has blessed me with being in the right career at the right time of my life, at the right time in history, I will say that. I, I'm thankful that I came along when I did. What prompted you, and, and you're still very much a member of that Georgia's agriculture community. Kevin has more time in the day than Kirby Smart, and, and I offer that as a guy who d- doesn't think Kirby Smart walks around with a ton of free time. Kirby's not busy compared to Kevin Tanner. And I don't know how you do it because, but it's always one of those things. Successful people have time for absolutely everything. And I still like, I marvel at you. My family came into Georgia in 1800 and started farming, and we've been farming ever since. Uh, I grew up on a farm. I have a poultry farm, four chicken houses with about 90,000 chickens. Is, um, is that a lot of chickens? It feels like a lot. It's four houses. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a commercial operation. Um, I have a gentleman that lives on my farm and works for me full time. And, you know, when I leave here today and I go home, when I'll go home, change clothes, go to the chicken house. So it's, it's a big responsibility, but there's a lot of, that's Georgia's number one, number one industry. By a pretty wide margin. It is, and it's also from the work that I do around mental health, that farming community has really been hit hard with mental health issues, and so I think it helps me because I understand that community from from the ground up. When did you make a decision that you wanted to seek and represent Dawson, Lumpkin, and among others in the state house, and what was that process like for you? Well, I was serving as county manager at the time, and um, I had been involved in the political party system, helping other candidates, helping them raise money, helping them run campaigns as far as putting up signs, being on their campaign committees, that type of thing. I've always had an interest in that. So the state rep at the time came to me, and he said he'd been in office 10, 11, 12 years. Which is enough. Yeah. He said, Kevin, I'm, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang it up. You're interested in running, I would support and endorse you for, for my seat. And I said, well, I'd love for you to run one more time, run two more years, and then let's have that conversation. And he said, no, I'm, 
I think I'm going to give it up. So if you, this is your time, if you if you want it, you've got my support. So I prayed about it, talked to my family about it, and uh, decided to to run. and And he was true to his word. He supported me, uh, and I ran. And I it was Dawson, Lumpkin, and a little bit of Forsyth County, and I got seventy something percent of the vote, and I was felt very blessed. That's a big part of the state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, and I felt I, I so I. It was one of those things that I felt like if this is meant to be, then the good Lord will place it in my path. He did. Uh, I ran and and just wouldn't trade in, anything for that opportunity I had to serve the citizens of that area. What were some of the things that you were really passionate about from your time sitting in the state? You did eight years. That's right, four terms. Four terms, which if you asked me, is probably like the sweet spot. I don't know that I'm going to spend eight years and just major in code revision. Like, if I'm going down there, I'm getting after it. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things that you were really, really proud of that took a couple of times to get past that weren't perfect, but you know that you left it in a better place and you found it? Well, I always tried to focus on some key issues that I believe that all of us can agree that's within the state's role that they should be responsible for. One of those was education. One of those was transportation. And then one of those was the mental health space. I chaired the transportation committee in the Georgia House. As I chaired several committees as offshoots of that, including the transit uh, commission that went around for two years, eventually wrote the legislation that created the ATL uh, that we currently have that coordinates all the transit services in Atlanta, in the Atlanta region, including this area here in Alpharetta. And uh, I was able to write that and was able to get that passed. I also created some legislation that um, resulted in the turnaround officer at the Georgia Department of Education to really try to help some of our failing schools, and I was very passionate about that. All of these things, we had strong bipartisan support. And then the other thing would be uh, mental health. In 2019, I wrote the legislation creating the Behavioral Health Reform and Innovation Commission I knew that we needed a strong, not only bipartisan group, but we needed a multidiscipline group of individuals that could come together to, to try to solve our challenges around mental health. So as a result of that legislation, the Behavioral Health Reform and Innovation Commission came about, and, and Governor Kemp honored me by placing me as chair of that in 2019. So those are three issues I focused a lot on, and I think those are important. And I always told people... These are, these are the things that's going to affect the next generation, um, and those are things I like to try to spend my time focused on. That you can watch bear fruit long after you're retired, and it's one of the one of the frustrating and also gratifying parts is knowing that you did something that will cause a fundamental change for somebody down the road. And I see it. I think about you every single time I drive up and down Georgia 400. And I'm blessed to not have to do that all the time. But I think about the amount of work that it took to find the money and the resources to put Georgia 400 with the expansion and the managed lanes and everything. And you saw it from two angles. You saw it from elected official, chairman of DOT, working with our good friend, now your colleague, Russell McMurray. And you also got to see it as a county administrator in Forsyth County, which which one was more painful? <laughs> well, you know, I think the good part about being a state legislator is you you, you work for the citizens. Um, 
you know from being on the city council when you're a county manager or city manager you work for five distinct individuals with very distinct personalities and that can be challenging so they both bring their own unique challenges but from a transportation perspective um, i agree with you the state has done a tremendous amount of work and planning on georgia 400 now citizens always are unhappy about transportation because no one likes to be in traffic it's torn up for a decade that's right and i live it each and every day because i my office is in downtown atlanta i get in the office at seven o'clock in the morning monday through friday unless i'm traveling somewhere for some reason and i try to leave the office at four so i you know i'm dealing with traffic every day so i feel that pain but Georgia's in such a good place because of the work that's been done by so many leaders over the past uh, several decades, and I'm just happy to have had a small part in that. I think one of the things that people probably gloss over, or sometimes it's not the wins, sometimes it's the losses. And when you hung it up after eight years in the state house, you ran for Congress. What went into the process of evaluating that? And are you so glad that it didn't work out at this point? Well, you know, I, I lost by 1,500 votes in a, you know, 750,000-person district, so it was close. But, you know, people ask me, am I glad I didn't win? Am I glad I'm, you know, I, I always said that I was, all, I offered myself up for service. I feel like that we need uh, people who are serious leaders in serious positions that are willing to have adult conversations about real problems. And that means that you have to have people who are willing to sit down with people they don't always agree with and try to create a way to move us forward as a country. If not, we're just going to continue to head off a cliff. And so I offered myself for service because I felt like I could have that adult conversation. I saw somebody posted on social media recently. They said, where are the Johnny Isaacsons? Where are the Sam Nunns? Where are the Zell Millers? Where are the Paul Coverdales? The real challenge is it's difficult for those kind of people to get elected. I look at it today as somebody who would seriously consider looking at Georgia 6. And I think there's no way in the world, based on where the Republican Party is, that a guy like me, who would be awesome, would ever stay. I couldn't make a runoff. You look at people like, and I have a ton of respect for Megan Hansen, who you served with in the House. I mean, she'd be awesome. And she cares about the right things, but she cares about the right people. She and I are not that different. I have a a joke with her. I was like, one day we're going to wind up running against each other when the country decides that we want to be in one piece. And I said, I'm not going to say anything bad about you. I'm just going to be like, you got to just come beat me. No, you're exactly right. It's a challenge. And I I don't know what it's going to take to change. But I look at some of the folks who serve nationally, and I think, you know, we have 330 million people in this country. Is this really the best this country has to offer to lead the greatest country on earth? And it's very concerning and frustrating. So, you know, and that's how that's why when Governor Kemp asked me to take this job, I did it because I have so much respect for Governor Kemp because he is just a honest straight shooter, and that's what I've always tried to be—just an honest straight shooter that always talks about we have to focus on the key issues that actually matter to Georgians. And that's uh, that's what I appreciate about him, and, and that's why I'm happy to work for him. As you look around, in your role today, talk about what you do. Yeah, you know, I serve a large organization. We, um, we have multi-functions. Uh, one is we're the mental health authority for the state. We run five 
mental health hospitals uh, across Georgia. We have one in Atlanta, one in Milledgeville, one in Columbus, one in Savannah, one in Augusta. So we have five in the state. Uh, we also are the primary funder for the community service boards, the CSBs, and the crisis unit centers that are operated around the state, and we regulate those. We also are the substance abuse authority for the state, so we have addictive diseases and substance abuse. Um, I also serve as a trustee for the opioid national settlement money coming into Georgia. And then we also run the developmental disability program here in the state, the now comp waiver, and serve that population. So we have almost 5,000 employees spread out around the state, and, and those folks range from accountants to lawyers, to psychiatrists and MDs and doctors and nurses. So I get to run a very diverse, multifaceted um, organization. And I will tell you, I have never been so proud to lead an organization than I am the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. I have been in those hospitals. I have been in the crisis centers, and I see the passion and the dedication. And I also see what results they're able to get People who can come into a hospital that are so violent, so ill, and then our staff is able to take and find the right regimen of medication and treatment that that person's enabled to be a good functioning citizen. And, and I'm just proud to lead the organization. I could probably name most of the agencies that the state runs, and I don't know what plenty of them do, but I was like, I'm going to have Kevin because Kevin, to me, you do things that are scary. And I don't mean like running for a state house district. Like anybody can do that, win or lose. Like I, there's plenty of people who have no business doing it that are, are down there. But there's also, when you look at something, when you get into mental health and you get into a percentage of the population, let's be honest, it's incarcerated and suffering in certain things. And I think that you're one of the guys in the state that has really brought that forward. But what you do, like it scares me, and probably mostly out of ignorance, but it has I would be so intimidated. I'm not an engineer. I would be intimidated if you gave me Russell McMurray's job. But I wouldn't be as intimidated by that as I would be what you do because it's it's issues that have come forward in the last, I wouldn't say generation, but it's really more recent than that. And it's like you guys are inventing policy for the first time that's based in science Whereas the United States as a country has really not known how to classify certain illnesses. If you look at our prisons, I don't know this firsthand, but I, I know there's a tremendous mental health problem. And I know that I'm not one of the guys who's always just like, we don't subsidize or we're in favor of subsidizing this, but not that. Like you want people out of the system and you want them functioning. Like what makes you wake up every day? And does it still, in, does it intimidate you at all? Well, when I first approached then Speaker David Ralston and said, we need to do something to improve the mental health system in the state. And he initially was hesitant. Uh, his wife approached him and her, she tells a story where it's on a Sunday, they were having a conversation and he said, honey, you know, I don't know if there's a way to fix it. And, and he's probably not wrong. Yeah, and he said, you know, politically, it's not the most political good thing to approach. And she said, for once, can we not worry about the next election? For once, can we just take on something just because it's the right thing to do? And let's fix something just because it's the right thing to do. 
as a result of that conversation that Cherie had with her husband, the speaker, we had House Bill 1013, and we've had a movement in this state, I think, to improve the system. So it is a huge challenge, and we're never going to completely solve the challenge, but we're making progress. And in so many ways, Georgia is leading in the country. The other thing that I think we're seeing is we're reducing stigma because the reason this is so much more known today than it ever has been is because people are willing to talk about it. Parents are willing to seek help for their children. People are willing to say, I need help myself. People are realizing that mental illness is no different than having cancer or heart disease. It's a condition of the brain, and it's a condition that's treatable. We just have to talk about it, and we have to seek help. The biggest challenge we're facing as a state and as a nation is a workforce shortage. We're in a workforce crisis. So one of the things that I'm trying to figure out each and every day is how do I increase the pipeline of people coming into this space to work? But it's overwhelming. But, you know, I tell my daughters, my three daughters, I said, live your life so that someone might want to write a book about it because you're doing something impactful to, to the world you know, you can do a lot of things to make money, but it's another thing to do something to make a living, but do something that's actually going to impact the world. And I think the work we're doing around the mental health space is something that really is going to have an impact on the future of our state. So I'm, I'm, I get excited every day to wake up and go to work. Knowing that you don't draft bills anymore, but knowing that you have an influential stake in policy creation and some very influential people's ears. Is there something in 2024, 2025 that you guys want to see the state go after? Knowing that where Speaker Ralston was probably not wrong about the political ramifications and his wife was clearly right about wanting to do the right thing. And if he were here today, he would probably sit here and be like, I'm glad we did that. How do you build upon what you guys have done and what do you want to see the next step be? There are probably roads and bridges in what you're doing are really the two things that I think everybody can stop throwing rocks at each other with R's and D's next to each other and be like, yeah, we got to figure out the right thing. And I'm grateful. That seems to be, for those of you who don't think that there are, there are Republicans and Democrats that get along in this country, you guys seem to have found something. And honestly, you see the fruits of that with prison reform in Washington, D.C. and some other things because they're not necessarily incarceration issues, but they all work together. And I would like to see more of, I'd like to see opportunities for people that don't agree on everything to still show the American people or Georgians that we agree on a lot. Yeah, no, I agree. I always like to say, let's go solve all the problems we can agree on. And then once we get all those solved, then let's fight. Of course, we'd run out of time, right, in our lives. So, no, this, this is definitely a bipartisan issue. As far as what I'd like to see happen, I think that we've got to focus again on workforce. We've got to focus on how do we make sure that our provider network is paid at the right rates, that the reimbursement rates are where they need to be in the state so we can have people paid a livable wage so they're able to come into this workspace. Our DBHDD employees, we need to make sure we adjust and do market adjustments to get them where they need to be. We also got to find a way to reach down into the high schools, reach down into our, our schools below college, and to be able to encourage young people to consider this for a career because if we don't fix the workforce, nothing else we do is going to matter. And the other piece I think we've really got to focus on is the forensic population. We have a backlog of people in jails waiting to come to one of our state hospitals. We have a backlog of people waiting on competency evaluations. 
COVID really created the perfect storm for a lot of that because at the department, we lost 1,200 employees in our hospital system during COVID, and we've gained back 40% of those, but we're still 60% short, uh, for, or 60% of the people who left are still not back. we got to recruit those folks. We've got to get them back in so we can get all of our beds back open. And then the courts came back with a vengeance after COVID and started working overtime so we just have a perfect storm. So we've got to focus on the forensic population. We've got to look at increasing community-based restoration services. We've got to create other alternatives. We're doing a project I'm extremely proud of right now down in Savannah at our hospital. We're renovating 30 beds. We're creating what we're calling Operation New Hope. When House Bill 1013 passed, the speaker said from the rostrum, he said, Today, Hope won. So a play on that is uh, the transition programs, the first in the state, it's in a state hospital, and it's going to be a place where someone who's been in our hospital for a long time but clinically is ready to get out can come, learn vocational skills, life skills, all of the things they need to be successful. Then they're going to be able to go out and get a public job, come back at night, eventually work their way out into a forensic apartment, and eventually out back into society. So we're excited about that. And it's Operation New Hope, and it should be open in the spring of next year. We're we're putting this interview out between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it's a time for a lot of people around the country that is harder than others. And I think that's for a variety of reasons. You mourn things you don't have. You mourn things you don't have anymore. You wish that there were certain things, and I think that there is doubt and depression that comes around maybe in different ways than it does In other times of the year when the sun is shining and it's 85 degrees outside and you can go to the pool or the lake, what resources do you guys have available to Georgians who need somebody to listen anonymously? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question, Ben. We recently did a poll about 988, and only 16% of Georgians had heard of and knew what 988 was. So I want to make sure before your listeners close out and listening to me uh, today that they know what 988 is. 988 is a three-digit national number that can be called anywhere in the country. It went live July of last year, 2022. Georgia had, since 2015, had a 1-800-suicide line, but now we have 988. So anywhere in the state of Georgia, anywhere in the country, but if you call in the state of Georgia, you're going to get a live person where average answer time is about 10.2 seconds to answer the phone. It's a licensed clinician who's trained uh, to help you with whatever the issue is. It could be anything from, you know, hey, I'm Kevin. I've got some depression. I'd like to find a counselor I could speak to in my area. I have Anthem Insurance or whatever the case might be, and they can direct you to services. Or it could be... I'm a parent. My son has been diagnosed with schizophrenia. My son's currently uh, deteriorated and is in a crisis. And 988 can actually dispatch a two-person mobile crisis team to your home with a licensed clinician that can come out to you. They can evaluate. They can help get your child into services. If they need to, they can do an involuntary commitment, get them into a crisis center and get them stabilized. They have the resources to provide. So I want everyone to know that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to reach out for help. Uh, 988 is completely anonymous. You can call and talk to a licensed clinician 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and mobile crisis can be dispatched anywhere in Georgia 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
Kevin Tanner, you are a developer, a farmer, a commissioner, a former state house rep, former law enforcement officer. I'm probably a firefighter too. Did you ever do that? Yeah, I was a certified firefighter and EMT. Why not? You That's know, right. what do you want to do when you grow up, man? I'm doing it. You know, my wife often asks me, said, what's the most fun or what job did you like the best? And I honestly can say I liked every one of them. Uh, I think God put me in those positions at the right time of my life. Uh, I love what I'm doing every day. I love getting up and going to work. We have big problems, but, you know, like I said, big problems require adults to get in a room and actually create solutions. I have a great staff. I get to work for a great governor. We're going to solve problems, and we're going to improve the mental health system. And I've challenged um, our staff, whether it's on the forensic side, the opioid side, the developmental disability side, we're not going to cry about our issues. We're going to get up every day. We're going to create solutions, and we're going to be the leader in this nation and leading this nation forward and how we deal with the populations that we're tasked to deal with. So I truly believe we're on the path to make that happen, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Well, I miss seeing you. It is awfully good to spend time with you. Commissioner Kevin Tanner, thanks for joining the Ben Burnett Show this week. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.